0: Welcome to HR Insights, the podcast, topical discussions with and for our global HR community. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to what is our third and final Elliot Scott COVID-19 podcast. My name is Stuart Elliot, and for the last two weeks, we've been discussing some of the HR challenges that we're experiencing during this rather strange time. Week one focused on resilience. Last week was on leadership. And for the final week, we're going to be looking at the team dynamic. With me to add the expertise of proceedings and to stop me from chatting too much, is Susanna Yule from YSC New York. Welcome, Susanna.
1: Hi, Stu. Nice to be here with you.
0: So, so getting getting straight into it, Susanna, how, how is the current situation impacting the team team dynamic?
1: Yeah. So I I think whilst you know crisis leadership is certainly no by no means a walk in the park. What we saw in the early weeks and months of the pandemic is that for a lot of our clients, it was as if there were certain waves that leaders could ride in the short term. You know, in a crisis, people rallying together. Leaders have a licence to make quick decisions, provide tactical clarity to really direct people's activity and prioritise safety. And, and they're really running on a bit of adrenaline. And so they have... Capacity to take on more, teams collaborate better than normal. Uh, it's easier for people to align, and they channel their energy into the needs that are here and now, right in front of them. Unfortunately, putting out the fire may be the more straightforward part of the COVID nineteen journey. The phase that follows that initial crisis reaction is, in many ways, more demanding and complex, and will determine how leaders and organisations come out of this. After that initial crisis response phase, you know, research has shown that. Virtual working is more likely to erode a team's performance, except in cases where the teams had very high levels of collaboration pre-COVID. And it's probably not surprising that collaboration—it's you know—collaboration to deliver on a strategy is arguably one of the biggest factors in determining the success of that strategy.
0: Okay, so in interrupting on that point, um, and possibly asking, I suppose, a very obvious question: When you say high levels of collaboration, what does that actually look like in the in
1: the workplace? Yeah, a good question. So what's important here is that it isn't about involving the whole team in every decision. I mean that obviously becomes inefficient and sometimes people misinterpret it to be about that, but it's really about being thoughtful about who has a stake in this decision, who might have valuable input to strengthen the outcome, and getting into the habit of pausing to reflect on who to engage, how, and when to engage them. And a shift that I've worked on with some of my coachees is about seeing stakeholder engagement as part of their job rather than something around the edges that gets in the way of doing their job. It might feel time-consuming in the short term, but it will save time and increase productivity in the the mid to long term because that's how you spot when colleagues are doing something similar to you and you could align and minimise rework and, and redundancy of effort. But it's also about taking... An enterprise-wide view, you know, thinking about what is best for the total business rather than just their functional geography. And the leader can set the tone for this based on what they reward etc. But in the best exec teams I've worked with, people see their first role as being a member of that team rather than being the head of marketing or the head of the Americas region for example. And that's really the underpinning belief and framing that drives the right behaviours. And so I'm talking at it from the perspective of executive teams. It's largely where most of our work is. But the, the collaboration is wrong model at that level, and typically whatever they do gets replicated throughout the business. Okay. Another thing I would add, just coming back to your question of, you know, how the current situa- situation is impacting team dynamics is that we're also seeing an impact of the COVID context from an inclusion and diversity perspective and that in times of crisis people tend to rely more on the familiar and similar relation familiar relationships with people that are similar to them so they go to the people who finish their sentences rather than challenge their thinking so in some ways we're taking a step backwards on that front as a result of the the current pandemic which is a shame
0: yeah, so, so D&I is obviously a, a huge sort of huge on the HR agenda at the moment, actually. And I suppose the, the danger of making this, I suppose, a diversity and inclusion podcast, but this is a topic that I think is is really important. Is there something then that we could be proactively doing to keep that diversity of thought?
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's obviously a lot we can talk about here. Maybe Maybe it's another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but But off the top of my head, I think, you know, as a leader, uh, I think paying attention to who is holding the most space in conversations and how do you create the conditions where you can hear from everyone. Uh, I think for everyone paying attention to who reinforces your thinking, you know, who gives you the same view and makes you think that, oh, you're on the right track, uh, which can be tempting, uh, versus people who give you a different perspective. And my advice is to seek out the latter. Uh, quite consciously. And in some ways, you could argue that it's e- it's easier than ever now to work more globally, because everything is virtual. So it's no longer easier for me to connect with someone with, uh, you know, closer physical proximity to me. Uh, you know, time zones aside, there isn't much difference for me to speak to someone down the hallway in the New York office, compared to speaking with someone in London, Hong Kong, or, or Australia. But I think, that's still about it's still a question of breaking out automatic habitual behaviors and dynamics that we need to uh, focus on.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I really resonate, actually, Susanna, when you're talking about seeking out a different perspective. I, I personally find that sometimes really challenging. You're trying to find somebody that thinks differently to you that will potentially, I suppose, disagree and argue with you in some respects.
1: Totally, and and for a lot of us, that's uh, a less smooth path to a decision or a solution because yeah. it, especially for people who are quite action oriented like me you know <laughs> you want to get to, get to the solution and and move forward uh but it's about pausing to to ultimately get to a better solution
0: yeah completely completely agree so so on that so what makes a team high performing especially now especially in this sort of covid-19 crisis
1: Yeah, we've done a bit of research into this over the past couple of years, actually. And there's two areas that really have the biggest impact on building a high-performing team. So firstly, it's around purpose and clarity. And secondly, the dynamics between members of that team. So if you think about purpose and clarity and processes, that's really about how things happen, such as, you know, it might be strategic planning, priority setting, problem solving, accountability structures and communication channels. And then the dynamics between people are more about the team norms, the shared emotional patterns, pride in the team, trust and psychological safety. And so those two areas have a greater impact on team performance than right. more traditional approaches such as working on team composition. So there's been a lot of focus recently on Uh, you know, in the past, needing people with different profiles who can play different roles in the team. But it's not just about who you have in the team, but it's about how you work together. So obviously team composition, diversity, potential, they all matter. But what's more important, we've found, is what the team itself can do to improve its own effectiveness.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say it, Susan. I have to say, I'd love to see more clients interview like that actually, where they're focusing on, on, on that as well, rather than, I suppose, what, what works for them in their team at the moment.
1: Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. So you mentioned purpose and clarity is one area that, that teams need to focus on. C- can you elaborate on that a bit further?
1: Absolutely. So purpose is really the why statement. It's about, it's the statement that guides us when setting goals and priorities. And in times of flux, it's natural to feel uncertain about where to focus. You know, having a common reason to work when you are remote is even more vital. And that shared group purpose is, is motivating and bonding, I know, from my own experience, but also clients I've worked with. And without having it, that's when, particularly now, anxiety and a lack of direction can sometimes derail teams. And it makes it makes intuitive sense that, you know, when a top team has, shares a common vision and purpose, they're more likely to outperform competitors but in light of the pandemic our context has changed so significantly and much of what we're striving towards has shifted. So realigning purpose and priorities uh, can avoid that risk of fragmentation and making sure that people aren't pulling in different directions and therefore not creating that coherence for their respective teams. So what I would advise people on here is that if the longer term purpose of your team doesn't fit the current situation, then it's about deciding on a small purpose statement each week with the team. Even if it's as simple as keeping our customers perfectly informed, you know, purposeful goals will help focus the team on what matters and reduce anxiety, even if it is a week to week priority. And then the other thing that's that's particularly important is within this first area, that's purpose, there's also clarity. And that's about, having transparent roles, responsibilities, priorities. And having that alignment is going to be challenging given the current flux and mass remote working. So virtual teams require those frequent interactions to prioritise what matters in a changing context and, and communicating those agile adjustments. So I think what's important is to be as transparent as possible without overloading people. So yeah. it's about increasing the frequency of communications, but then decreasing the length, especially given people are all, you know, trying to stay engaged in, uh, in an environment where they're, you know, looking at a screen all day. Um, so I think what's important is to link those shifting priorities both to the changing context and to the team's purpose, which maintains yeah. that focus on what matters. But, I mean, you I'm know, thinking about your business and, um, you know, the global dispersion of the business. I'd love to know.
0: How have you handled this? Yeah, it's been a real challenge, actually, Susanna, in in a lot of respects, because interestingly, Mm. we used to do sort of uh, quarterly sort of MD video calls. Um, And I felt that really balanced nicely with my trips to different offices. So I get to see a lot of the people in person and then combine that with the quarterly calls. So as soon as the lockdown hit, we we moved the quarterly MD calls to a monthly call straight away. And Mm. it was one of those where... We didn't really care whether it was a sort of 30 minute monthly call versus the hour that we used to spend on the the quarterly one. It was just more important to have that, the frequency of the catch up with with the MDs, just to see how everyone was, find out what was happening around the world, et cetera. So that was the sort of the first step that we did. And the second part that we then did was we rolled in quarterly company calls, which we probably didn't do enough of previously, if I'm honest. and the idea of the company called them was to roll in and give our staff a chance to, I suppose, ask me a lot more questions around what's going on, what's happening, what we're doing as a business as well. So we really wanted to put people at ease was the purpose that we we went down the road of. And I suppose the final parts of that, Susanna, was the we use Slack as our sort of Mm. um our sort of internal sort of communication tool so we started to set up a lot more sort of mini groups where we wanted much more sort of chat interaction and I think on your on the first podcast you mentioned that sort of corridor chat mm. and that's what we were trying to sort of replicate as much as possible where it's wins of the day so everyone comes in and what succeeded that day and it could be anything from getting a new job on to getting a client to finding a great candidate but it's, it's a positive end to that, that moment, that day, if that makes sense.
1: Totally. Yeah, I, I think balancing the, uh, especially early on in the pandemic, you know, it can feel like, especially in the, in the news, you know, it could feel like, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but it can feel like you've just been bombarded with negativity. So I think <laughs> while it's important to be authentic about what's going on and how it might be impacting uh, the industry, or you know, the particular business you're operating in, I think you know, having balancing that out with some positive stories is really powerful. Otherwise, people just feel, you know, just really deflated by it. All
0: I could, I could completely, completely agree. And interestingly, so one of the things that we are really conscious of is some of us feel like so it can feel sometimes a little bit cheesy, a little bit, um, mm. a little bit forced, but we also then said, well, hang on a minute, we've we've got to do this. This is a real, it's a nice thing to be here in terms of some of the good news that's going out there. So while some of us maybe were a little bit sceptical, it's something that we sort of then said we've got to stick to and we've got to do.
1: Mm, Totally.
0: Yeah. Um, And then the second main area was on how people work together. Can can you say more about about that as well?
1: Yeah, totally. So I think, you know, the need for cohesion, a sense of, togetherness and that shared belief is really amplified during a crisis. But problematically, when under stress, even the best of us can can become more transactional, you know, sacrificing the connection or bonding for efficiency, which becomes a bit of a false trade-off. So the reality is that investing a small amount of time to connect personally builds a sense of support which offsets some of the physical remoteness and while we might often define, what we might often define as small talk, often generates a feeling of belonging and solidarity that reduces negative emotions, which can erode the ability to focus. So it's an investment in, you know, the the connection to the team, the connection to each other, which helps us to do our best work. And things like, you know, the more we can strengthen psychological safety and feelings of inclusion are going to boost Commitment, creativity and innovation whilst also retaining your people. So the stronger the relationships on the team, the better the team and the business will perform. And the quality of the team's interactions uh, interpersonally has a real financial impact. Yet for the first time in history, most leadership teams have moved to virtual working with minimal preparation. And, you know, maintaining that team cohesion and trust is, is even more difficult within that virtual work. And then what's also important is that we are having robust and challenging conversations whilst creating a space that allows everyone to speak up. So effective teams combine both diversity of thinking and decisiveness. And these conditions are essential for teams under stress. But fostering that necessary atmosphere virtually is is a bigger challenge. You know, body language and other subtle social cues picked up in a room with people are no longer at your disposal. So you need to be more explicit with your words. And in virtual meetings, we need to be more conscious of more explicitly verbalizing what might otherwise be picked up through our body language. You know, in the virtual environment, we just you know, we don't have that peripheral vision, we can't see how people are responding to what we're saying in any moment. So um, yeah, I think that's a, it makes it increasingly difficult.
0: Yeah, I, I, I actually want to pick up on this a little bit more sooner, because this for me is possibly the hardest thing that I, I feel I've had to deal with. Like in person, you can have, I think, a tough conversation. Uh, we can also, you can even have that tough conversation and then an hour goes past and you can sort of catch up again with that individual to sort of make sure that they're OK and see how they are. And you can even see their body language, even just walking out to maybe get a coffee or whatever. You can actually sort of see that. Um but I think virtually it's it's really difficult because once you've had the difficult conversation, then to try and find another another point in their schedule where they're free is actually quite difficult. And there might not be another point in their schedule that they're free. So that's the sort of thing that I'm finding particularly challenging at the moment.
1: Mm, it, that totally resonates. And if people want to, they can hide their reactions much more right now in the virtual context than they can in an in-person environment. So as leaders and colleagues, we need to work harder to understand where people are at and what's on their mind. So I think that's a really valid point.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely one that I've, I've got to work on. And, and actually, it's even taken me, Susanna, to go to just actually start calling people a little bit more sort of um, sporadically, just to try them and just to sort of catch up with them without having something planned. And, yeah. and while a plan is good for a diary... I, I just don't think sometimes you get the, the the right answers or the not the right answer or the wrong thing, but you get the get to know exactly how they're feeling.
1: Mm, totally.
0: Yeah. So, what are some of the pitfalls leadership teams can fall into?
1: Yeah, I think there's probably quite a few. I think I I think leadership teams often spend almost all of their time working on the business, which is obviously necessary. Yeah. But they often overlook the importance of also dedicating time to work on the team, which is indirectly working on the business. But often people can see that as being a nice-to-have or, um, you know, something that's a bit fluffy, whereas it really is going to help the team to work more um, productively together.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I I laughed, at Susanna, as you said that, because – Again, I'm thinking about my business, and I think this is probably the biggest flaw that we have as a business sometimes. We get so caught – I've got a lot of people that are, I suppose, effectively consultants or sales guys, as it were. And we get so caught up in the business that we, we forget about, I suppose, the, the other things as well and, and the relationships with, with the people that we're surrounded by. On, on that as well, I'm, I suppose there is also a phrase that I think you used earlier on, false trade-offs. You, you must see and hear that a lot, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's often, you know, it's, it's an example of an unconscious bias, really. Um, and, you know, I think the workings of leadership teams are, are incredibly complex. And, you know, among the other priorities, they've got to clarify goals, they've got to engage in forward thinking, maintain harmony, encourage creative conflict. You know, they're not easy jobs at all. Uh, and there are, in fact, so many drivers of team effectiveness that many can eventually start to feel contradictory. Uh, And I suppose the trick is to bring awareness to those dynamic equilibriums and be comfortable moving between them without being drawn into making a false trade-off. So, you know, for example, people can see creating trusting relationships as feeling contradictory with the need to focus on hard-nosed business imperatives and teams can feel like they have to pick one at the expense of another rather than uh, realising that they're both essential. So, you know, questioning whether weekly meetings should be about bonding as a team or reviewing the progress of key objectives misses the point. You know, I think with some flexibility, both can be achieved. And, you know, another example is in relationships, we think challenge and transparency will damage the relationship. And I think the blind spot there is is that not being honest and leaving issues to fester is likely to damage the relationship more over time to the point where it's harder to get it back. Uh, So, you know, I think holding to apparently contradictory ideas like that isn't what we're trained to do. You know, normally if one option is right, the other is wrong, you know, or the opposite. (laughs) Um, And I think that either or thinking, you know, underpins um, a lot of things that we've studied, whether it's maths or, you know, science, um, but even the best leadership teams can end up turning opposing drivers of team effectiveness into choi- choice points in an effort to simplify complexity. However, you know, really the best teamwork is about achieving, you know, com- complete and multi- multifaceted awareness of what it takes to be successful. And and indeed the irony is that far from being trade-offs, both sides of the coin are necessary for the other to exist. So yeah. if you take, um, you know, if you think about, Um, the the contrast between relating to each other and getting things done, it's nearly impossible to operate when no one trusts each other. And a troubled operational context in terms of roles, responsibilities, priorities, and confusion around that can create stresses which lead to interpersonal issues. So, you know, if one falls down, it will impact the other. And, of course, teams can't always be prioritising everything, but it's about you know, the best teams we've seen will, will often focus on a specific area at a specific time. You know, what's yeah. important is for teams to be aware of all of the factors which make a great team, not just some of them, and be able to use one to get the best out of the other. So it's about a – it's a little bit like leadership, really. You know, it's, it's a conscious flex between dialling one thing up and dialling another thing down and understanding when you're doing it and, and why.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So, so, Susanna, I, we could probably chat here for another sort of 20 yeah. minutes on this topic, um, but obviously we, we, we sadly have to end at, at some point. Are there any, any sort of messages that you want to leave listeners with?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things that come to mind is uh, just based on our conversation are, uh, you know, working on the team as well as the business. Uh, yeah. Don't get drawn into false trade-offs, so try and be really conscious of what trade-off you might be making in a given moment. And, and also continue realigning on priorities as the context changes and remembering that sometimes in the absence of clarity, people can make, you know, different assumptions and often the assumptions you don't want them to make, which can not only decrease efficiency, but also lead to tension and frustration.
0: Yeah, and I guess the context is changing almost on a sort of weekly basis at the moment, isn't it, with, with what's going on?
1: Totally, totally.
0: Yeah. Well, that I'm afraid is is all we have time for for today, um, Susanna. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you over the last three weeks. Um, So thank you very much for for your time. Um, If anyone listening has any further questions for Susanna and I, please do not hesitate to get in touch. Um, My email address is se at elliotskyhr.com. I should also add that this is the last in the COVID-19 specials. If you think of any other topics that you'd like to hear from us, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to, to do this again. Stay safe, everybody, and thank you again, Susanna.
1: Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.